Now, a few weeks ago, my brother and I, we had to move from one studio to another studio. It's where we record Therapy Thursdays. And sometimes the refrigerator is kind of loud. It just makes this sound. And so we unplug it to make sure that nobody's distracted as we're delivering the message. So we go back to the studio roughly four days later, and there's water everywhere. And I'm like, man, what happened? And I noticed that all the water is leaking from this refrigerator. Everything on the inside started to leak on the outside because it wasn't connected to power. Stay with me. There are certain things that it is used to preserving, but when it has no power, stuff leaks. Stuff spoils. Stuff rots. I wonder, is your joy leaking out because you're disconnected? I wonder, is your passion leaking out because you're disconnected? The Ark of the Covenant coming and David is dancing. The Ark of the Covenant is symbolic of the presence and the power of God. And David is dancing in his linen ephod. The reason that's so important is because kings would wear a kingly ephod. But in that moment, David's like, my title doesn't matter. My crown, it doesn't matter. My position, it doesn't matter. My accolades, doesn't matter. You could have more degrees in a thermostat, it doesn't matter. My notoriety, it doesn't matter. My platform, it doesn't matter. What I've gone through, it doesn't matter. And my concern on this afternoon when it comes to the church, especially Western Hemisphere Christianity, is we have the titles... We have the positions, we have the chairs, we have the lights, we have the smoke, but do we have the power? Powerless preaching fosters powerless pews. Do we have the power and the presence of God? David is like, I'm not dancing like this because of my position. I'm dancing like this because of the position giver. Y'all miss what I just said. See, because when we only care about our presentation more than the presence, when we only care about how we appear versus how we really are, it will always expose hearts that don't burn for God. And what God wants to do, please hear me, what God desires more than anything is for us to have hearts that burn again burn for him. If you notice, each and every week I come up here, at the end of service, I pray this, Father, light our hearts on fire so that the world could watch us burn. See, I'm telling somebody prophetically, for what God is about to do in your life, you can't afford to have a spark. Did y'all hear me? For what God is about to do in your marriage and your future marriage, you can't afford to have just a spark. For what God is about to do in your singleness, you can't afford to have just a spark. For what God is about to do in this church, you can't afford to have just a spark. We have to be people who learn how to shift with the shift. (laughs) Somebody shout shift. I have to learn how to shift with the shift. And since God is trying to shift us, he has to first address the minimal fire that's burning. The minimal fire that's burning. I'm trying to shift you. What do you think Planet was about? Planted was all about, there's something I'm about to do that your attitude has to shift for you to get it. Shift. What is Trap House all about? It's about there's something I'm about to do 
that your discernment is going to have to shift from you entertaining distractions and labeling that as my will. I need you to have so much discernment where you can see the thing behind the thing. Shift all throughout the fabric of Scripture. I haven't even given you all my text yet. All throughout the fabric of Scripture, we see God has this methodology. I will not just call you by your name. I will call you by your assignment. And sometimes if your name doesn't match your assignment, I'll shift your name. This is so good. Abram, I need to shift you into Abraham, which means father of many nations. That's your assignment. I'm speaking to the shifted version of you. Simon, I need to shift you into Peter because Peter means rock. Your assignment is I need you to be solid. So I'm speaking to the shifted version of you. I wonder, is there anybody? I know it might be awkward, unusual, unorthodox, maybe even anomalous. But I wonder if there's anybody under the sound of my voice that can give God praise for the stuff that hasn't happened yet. See? See? One part, two people. Yep. For what hasn't happened yet. I haven't got over it yet, but he's shifting me. I haven't got free from it yet, but he's shifting me. I haven't seen it yet, but he's shifting me. I'm going to praise God on credit. Just on credit. You're that good. You're shifting me. Shifting me. Somebody say shift. This is how you could discern purposeful friends from toxic friends. Because purposeful friends are influential in the, shif- in the shifted version of you. Toxic friends are intimidated and try to criticize the shifted version of you. If you have a circle that does not support your shift, that's not a circle, that's a noose. God, in this moment, we're asking that you shift us. Even if we haven't gotten it yet, we're going to believe and praise you on credit. You have a historical resume of coming through clutch. And God, we're not going to allow what we see, what we experience, or what we have walked through to rob our ability to give you thanks right now. Father, all the study means absolutely nothing if you aren't magnified, if you aren't glorified. I pray this in private. Now I declare it in public. Anoint me, O Lord, as your oracle, the soundtrack, the PA system of heaven, so that we could search the deep, dark crevices of our own lives. Well, what area in my life is setting me up to fall into a trap? I'm asking that you give us the wisdom, give us the clarity, and the biblical intelligence. In Jesus' name, breathe on our encounter. And everybody who agrees with that prayer would just shout in the room, amen. Amen. So this particular sermon series that we are in, Trap House, this series is not a game changer because we ain't playing. This series is a life changer is a life changer. I'm doing this series really for two reasons. Number one, I'm doing it out of obedience to the Holy Spirit because I always want to be a man that preaches what God told me to preach versus preaching what I think you should hear. God says, I need my people 
to be aware of traps. The first reason I'm doing this is out of obedience to the Holy Spirit. And the second reason we are doing this Trap House series is because I just refuse to believe that you have been cosmically created by God to bleed for the rest of your life. Am I talking to anybody? See, because traps wound you. Traps leave you wounded and hurting. And I just refuse when our eternal king made us that he made us with the intent that you're going to bleed for the rest of your life. Jesus did that. Jesus did that. So we, we, we need some wisdom so that we're not bleeding longer than we have to. Some of us have been stuck in a defeated position for so long. Some of us have been insecure and laying in the bed of insecurity for so long that we're starting to develop spiritual bed sores. You know what a bed sore is? It is a pressure ulcer. It is when your body begins to bruise due to the pressure of you not moving. You've been in the same place, different birthdays, same place. Same place. So your body itself knows you weren't made to stay still this long. And so your physical anatomy will begin to bruise when you haven't moved. And ever so often, you need a health professional to come in the room and shift you. Ever so often, you need a caregiver to come in the room and push you. I'm taking on the nature of a spiritual caregiver. I'm trying to push somebody into purpose. I'm trying to push somebody into discernment. I'm trying to push somebody in deliverance. And when you get deliverance, you can't care what people think. You can't care that your issues exposed because they can't save me anyway. Forget what people think. I'm trying to push you. I want to give you principles and biblical strategies because principles and strategies are the way we experience victory in the area. Victory. Can I mess y'all up? Certain principles can take things off your prayer list. (laughs) Naomi, I missed your laugh. You're the only one who got it. Certain principles can take things off your prayer list. What are you praying for that God answers in principle form? God, help me. I, I, I just need some extra income to pay this cell phone bill. Lord, if, if you just give me a raise, God, and I can have some more revenue to, to pay this cell phone bill. The principle of stewardship will say, okay, if you stop eating out every day, you're spending $34 on Uber Eats every day. What about the seven subscriptions you got? I'm coming for your subscription list. The seven subscriptions you got, four of them you don't even use. That alone won't just pay your cell phone bill. It will pay your cell phone bill, your car insurance, twice. Principles can take stuff off your prayer list. This is so good, y'all. We need wisdom. In this area, because when we do not have wisdom of the enemy's tactics, the enemy's schemes, and his devices, we'll be forever stuck between crawling and calling. Did y'all hear what I just said? When we don't see, Paul was talking about this. 
in 2 Corinthians, he was talking about the principle of forgiving. He said, listen, we have to forgive because 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, it says, Lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his schemes. So my prayer on this afternoon is you didn't come here to hear me. My prayer is that you didn't come here this afternoon so that you could check off on your religious checkbox, I came to church this week. My prayer is that you came to have ears to hear. Because hear me, hear me, spiritual assaults or spiritual strength is often given in conversation form. This is so good, y'all. Spiritual assaults or spiritual strength is often given in conversation form. Do you have Bible to corroborate your claim? I do. I'm glad you asked. <laughs> Genesis chapter 3. When is the first time you see that old serpent? It's him having a conversation with Eve. I could do a whole sermon entitled Talking to Snakes. <laughs> he starts off. The first temptation we see in the Bible, he starts it off in conversation form. Jesus, in Mark chapter 4, verse 9, in Matthew, and even in Luke chapter 8, verse 8, there's this benedictory statement that Jesus says ever so often once he gives a drop-the-mic parable. At the end of it, he says, those who have ears, y'all talk to me, let them hear. Your spiritual assaults or your spiritual strength many times is given in conversation form. So last week we came together and we dealt with triggers. Did it come for anybody's life? Yeah. <laughs> we dealt with triggers because God was telling me, listen, my people are allowing triggers to suffocate their obedience, which is causing for them to find remedies in traps. So we needed to deal with triggers because oftentimes we forget that the only reason we're here is to give God glory and to represent the kingdom. So we needed to understand it's not just what you eat that changes you. It's what you digest. It's not just what you say that changes you. It's what you practice. So we had to come together like, okay, you are called to represent the kingdom because unfortunately we don't have the luxury of saying, hey, Alexa, turn off my feelings. <laughs> we don't. As smart as our phone is, we can't say, hey, Siri, give me emotional intelligence. Help me heal on the inside. It's going to take principles and teaching because in the kingdom, the way we get promoted is character and humility. In culture, all you need is talent and charisma. Kingdom is different. Exalt yourself, you will be humble. But if you humble yourself, you will be exalted. So promotion in the kingdom flies at low altitudes. So we had to deal with our triggers. And I felt the back of somebody's neck getting hot. I heard the tears while I was preaching. I saw the comments online. I'm just like, I'm not trying to build bigger crowds. 
but I am trying to build better Christians. I am. How deep has the gospel really gone? And so we had to deal with triggers. And I'm like, listen, I'm not telling you to be a doormat. I'm telling you to be Christ-like. Telling you to be Christ-like, to exuberate the fruit of the Spirit, self-control. And I know somebody may be like, you don't understand. I didn't have time last time, but today I got time, cuz. I got so much tea on this person. I could, have a, I could host a tea party. I got screenshots. I got receipts. I've been waiting on them to say something to me. I have a whole vibe for them. And I've been trying to get us to understand carnality is not a vibe. <laughs> that part, Ms. Flowers, carnality is not a vibe. But this revelation, this revelation that God gave me, that I was tripping on all week. Two foundational texts that I want us to go to. Songs of Solomon chapter 2, verse 15, or Songs of Songs, depending on your translation. Songs of Solomon chapter 2, verse 15, and then we're going to do a little hopscotch over to John chapter 15, verse 5. King Solomon and King Jesus are both about to increase our trap awareness and teach us how to keep our joy gauge full. Are y'all ready for this? King Solomon says, in Solomon, Songs of Solomon chapter 2, verse 15, it says, catch. Somebody say catch. Catch us the foxes. Hmm. You know, the little foxes that spoil the vines. For our vines have tender grapes. Then Jesus says in John chapter 15, verse 5, I am the vine. You are the branches. God, I can can barely get through this. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, kind of like that refrigerator, you can do nothing. All right. So, So let's merge these two passages of scripture together. Hopefully you get the revelation like I did on the plane. Okay. So it starts off by saying, catch the foxes. The little foxes that spoil the vines. Okay. Then Jesus says, I am the vine. Left side, y'all didn't get it. Okay. All right. Right side. It starts off by saying, catch the foxes. The little foxes that spoils the vines. Then Jesus says, I am the vine. So good. And so the revelation that God was giving me, he was saying, hey, teach my people to catch the little things that's spoiling their relationship with me. You know that thing that you think is little? Notice The little stuff that's spoiling your devotion, that's spoiling your prayer life, that's spoiling your joy, that's spoiling your purity. Like that refrigerator, you get this word and it puts it on the inside of you. But if you have no power, before we get to Sunday, this word has spoiled on the inside of you. Because you only open your text when I say open it. You only listen to the word when I say listen to it says, hey, I need you to teach my people to be aware of the little stuff that is spoiling their relationship with me, that's spoiling your joy, 
See, joy is not a destination you arrive at. I'm trying to help you change your prayer life. God, when I get this, when I get... Joy is not a destination. It's a belief system you choose to have. I find the joy. But watch out for the little foxes that enjoy eating what you produce. See, joy is the barometer of intimacy. It's the barometer of spiritual intimacy because the prerequisite of joy is intimacy. You don't get joy without having intimacy. And if you have intimacy with Jesus, then you're going to have joy, not happiness, but joy. Somebody say joy. Joy arrives when we stop letting chronic overthinking contaminate our, our imagination and our perspectives. Okay, how do I do that? I need you to go to YouTube and research Therapy Thursday. Your mind is too crowded. Listen to all of that. I'm going to give you the how-tos because I cannot stand sermons, sermons that point out the virus but don't give you the vaccine. So joy... Joy is when I stop allowing chronic overthinking to contaminate my imagination and my perspective. That's how I get joy. But watch out for the little things that keep on trying to steal your fruit. You do know joy is a fruit of the spirit, right? It's going to be so good, y'all. Joy. Joy is not found in trying to hold it all together talking to somebody. Joy is not found in trying to hold it all together, but rather it's found when you let God hold you, which reminds you that all things work together. Joy, but beware of the little things, the things that are stealing your joy. So for part three, let's talk around this thought from this subject. It's the little things. It's the little things. Can I get you to find two people around you and tell them it's the little things? It's the little things. It's the little things. It's the little things. That's confirmation for somebody. It's the little things. I need all of us to say this confession. And everybody watching online, could you put this in the room in all caps? Can I get us to say, I will not not overlook overlook the little things. things. This time, time, I will protect protect my joy. joy. One more time. I will not not overlook the little things, this time I will protect my joy. Does anybody agree with that? This time I will protect my joy. Catch the foxes. You know, the little foxes that spoils the vine. The word catch In Hebrew, I studied this, y'all. I watched a whole documentary on foxes. So I'm going to share some stuff with y'all. Y'all probably never knew. (laughs) Catch the little foxes. The word catch in Hebrew means perceive. Perceive means to be made aware or watch this, discern. So if we put this in the original Hebrew translation, what the text is really saying is discern foxes. This is so good. Discern foxes. Okay, pastor, how do I discern foxes? It tells you what's spoiling your vine. What is stealing your joy? See, foxes are so cute. 
I want y'all to see how cute this fox is. Carl, put the pop foxes, isn't that cute? Isn't it? Like, I like animals with restraint. You're never going to see Jerry be like, wow, she's the beauty here. You see this beautiful fox, eh? She's the beauty. Let's see how close we can get to her. That's not me. Sorry, bro. I'll be from a distance like, yeah, it's cute. It's cute. <laughs> Foxes are cute. But listen, church, they like grapes. Foxes are cute, but they like stealing what you're trying to make. Foxes are little, but they enjoy stealing the little commitments that you're trying to keep. So you know what diligence is? Diligence is doing a little thing a long time until something big happens. That's diligence. It's doing a little thing a long time until something big happens. They love stealing what you produce. Let's go deeper. In the Bible, grapes are, is what they use to make wine. And wine is symbolic of your joy. So a little fox is anything, once you're around them, it, or go over there, your joy kind of got sucked out. But it was... A little thing, you overlook the fox. Oh, I'm about to get in trouble. You overlook the fox because the fox goes by the name of mama. You overlook the fox. I'm talking about your mama. You overlook the fox because it goes by the name of Netflix. You overlook the fox because the fox goes by the name of iPhone 14. It's the little thing that doesn't seem problematic that is stealing your fruit catch the foxes and this is the revelation that God gave me on the plane we've been so caught up and we've been preaching sermons about watching out for Satan as the roaring lion that we're missing him as the fox we're so caught up that we're looking for the enemy in something that's obviously evil versus something that's little and cute. It's a trap. It's a trap. Remember, he comes as an angel of the light. See, Hollywood lying to you. He's not coming as this big swole dude with a pitchfork. That's not how he looks. What if he looks like this? Cute. It's cute when he's five years old saying, shut up, mommy. Oh, he's so cute. People post it. Look at, look at Linda. Look at, listen, 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 Linda. Listen, listen, listen. Look at Linda. Li That's going to be a 16-year-old boy. Listen, mama, I'm going to do It's going to change. It starts off cute. Foxes are cute. Can I go deeper? But they're related to wolves. Church family, foxes have wolf in their blood. Now, remember Jesus told us in Matthew chapter 10, verse 16, I'm sending you out as sheep amongst the wolves. Therefore, be wise. 
Foxes love the blood of sheep. Foxes love killing sheep. Foxes love consuming things because wolf is in their blood. Like their big bad cousin, the big bad wolf, that's the fox's cousin. <laughs> I got wolf in my blood. So we've been preaching. Watch out for pastors who are priests. They are like shepherds. They're really wolves, but they wear sheep clothing. What if it's possible for us to be a fox? Cute, glamorous, and because we don't look just like a wolf, you'll minimize the fact that we're really a fox. A fox. A fox. They have wolf in their blood. See, whatever God is trying to do in your life, the enemy always tries to undo it. Hell traffics in undoings. So the enemy wants to reverse what God is trying to do. All right? So God is trying to get us to a place where we have trust in him. God is striving and trying to get us to a place where we live in our purpose. Because once we live in purpose, we can live in our flow. You have a different flow when you're living in your purpose and living in your assignment. But remember, hell always traffics in undoings. So it tries to reverse what God is trying to do. Reverse flow, you get wolf. I want to reverse what God is trying to do. Foxes have wolf in their blood. God is trying to give us discernment, king discernment, the ability to see the thing behind the thing. I'm trying to get you to have so much discernment where you're not just discerning right from wrong, but you're discerning right from almost right. I'm trying to give you so much discernment to where you don't have to bite bad fruit first to testify that was bad. I want you to have discernment before you take a bite. He wants to give us discernment so God peels back the layer of trauma. I need to, I need to peel that back. He peels Back the layer of identity crisis. That's a linebacker for the discernment I'm trying to give you. I, I constantly peel back. He peels back abandonment. But the enemy always traffics in trying to undo what God is trying to do. If you reverse peels, you get sleep. I want them sleep to the gospel. I want them sleep to my traps. I want them sleep to worship. I want them sleep to what I'm trying to do. I want them bored with what God is trying to do so that they don't see the trap. The trap. Foxes. Catch us, the foxes. Or shall I say, discern the little things. See, foxes are so clever. I didn't even know this until this week. Foxes are so clever that they know how to play dead. Foxes will play dead. I'm talking about tongue hang out their mouth. You should research. I'm serious. I watched a whole documentary on it. Foxes are so clever that they will play dead to catch, to catch prey. A bird will be walking next to it and the fox will play dead and wait until the bird thinks that it's no threat. I wonder what trap we're walking on are walking up close to because we think that part of us is dead. I thought that was out of me. How did that happen? I haven't done that since 2016. You think it's dead. But it's a trap. Foxes know how to play dead. And once the bird gets close enough, it pounces on them. Smart. 
species. So Solomon says, catch the little stuff that has the ability to make us look spiritually dumb. It's clever. You don't think it is. But I need you to catch the little foxes. It's the little things. I want y'all to get this. It's the termites. Look how little these little termites are. It's, it's termites, these little small termites can break down a whole house. We're looking for the devil as a roaring lion. But I'm telling you, sometimes he comes as a cute fox. Termites can destroy a whole infrastructure. It's the little things. It's the little things. It's the little things. It's the little things. Something as little as a tick. As little as a tick. It can kill a sheep. Can I give y'all a little theology lesson? Okay, nobody said anything, so let me ask again. Can I give y'all a little theology lesson? Okay. How we get this anointing and you got oil on your life, this practice started from shepherds. Because shepherds would notice that ticks would get in the ear of the sheep, burrow its way in the ears of the sheep, and kill them. So what shepherds would do is they would grab the sheep by his head. See, we've been preaching this wrong. We think anointing is about how gifted you could do something. We think anointing is how graced you are. It really was for protection. They would pour oil on the sheep's head to make the sheep slippery so that when the tick tries to crawl up the ear, it can't because the sheep is too oily. <laughs> See, when you're oily, certain things can't really hold you. It could try, but I'm too slippery. Certain depression, it can grab me for a moment, but it can't hold me because I'm too slippery. Doubt for a moment, it can grab me, but because I'm anointed for this, because I'm anointed for this, it can't hold me. Somebody say, I'm slippery. Just do a little shimmy. Say, I'm slippery. Got us looking like cappers up in here. I'm slippery. I'm slippery. I'm slippery. It's facts. Research it. They poured... The oil on the sheep to prevent the ticks. And the tick is a little thing. Little thing. Little thing. The little things. The little things. The little things. Some of us right now, my son is going through this tough. Pollen has your nose running. You think you have COVID? How many COVID tests have you taken? <laughs> like, is this allergies or is this COVID? I mean, my son looked like he'd been in a boxing match if he stay outside too long. Eyes puffy from something as little as pollen. I'm talking about the top of your mouth itching. You keep doing all this. <laughs> Y'all laughing, but am I telling the truth? It's something as small as a particle. It's the little things, the little things. Fleas. As small as they are, can kill a dog. Yes. It's the little things, the little things. Oh, what about this, y'all? What about germs? Yes. Now, we all know about this. We're going to be in the history books one day. Something as small as a virus called corona can have a worldwide pandemic. This particular virus is so microscopic that you can't even see it with your eyes. You need a microscope to see how small this little thing is, but it's so powerful, what they call a worldwide pandemic. I wonder how many pandemics are going on in your soul. How many epidemics are going on in your soul? 
Unfortunately, you can't wear a mask on the inside. There's no vaccine for the inside. It's discernment that gets you to notice this is a virus to my spirit. Something as small as germs. Germs can cause a whole worldwide pandemic. It's the little things. The little things. Or I, I, I was looking at this. I want you to see, look how small this is. Y'all see this? Look how small this is. This can burn down a whole apartment complex. It can cause forest fires. But look, look, look how small it is. The reason I had to have us deal with triggers is because once things start to irritate you and you keep on getting irritated and frustrated and it keeps on striking over and over, it could produce a fire. And that fire could burn down your witness. That fire could burn down. Y'all don't want to talk to me. Something as small as this broken match can produce this. We have been preaching about the enemy's tactics as him as a roaring lion. I came here this afternoon to let you know he could be a fox. See, and it goes both ways, though. It goes both ways. Because the little things could get in the way of what God is trying to do, or the little things could set you up for what God is trying to do. If I was a note taker, I would write this down. Small tweaks take you to giant peaks. See, it's the little things. Small tweaks take you to giant peaks. Or it's the little compromises that causes, for, that causes for us to fall in traps that sabotage us. Small tweaks take you to giant peaks. Or it's the little compromises that cause for us to fall into the traps that brings forth sabotaging outcomes. It's the little things. It's the little things. It's the little things. It's the little things. I'm tired of this. I don't want to start over again. I'm done with that. This is the beauty of it. When we have fallen into a trap and God gets us out, you're not starting over from scratch. You're starting from wisdom. You know how many people I've talked to that I don't want to start over? So you are going to stay with this unhealthy boyfriend because you don't want to start over? I was trying to get us to get this during Therapy Thursday. I'm like, listen, promotion is only for people who are willing to be freshmen again. You can start off being an eighth grader. You're the big man on campus. But the only way for you to get promoted is you have to be a freshman again. In high school, you can have the big letterman. I'm a senior on campus. You're the big man. But if you want to be promoted to college, you have to be a freshman again. How willing are you to be a freshman again? Even in numerical information, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, is a freshman on another level. 21 is a freshman on another level. 31 is a freshman on another level. 41 is a freshman on another level. So if you say, I don't want to start over again, what you're really saying is, I want to be an old man or I want to be an old woman who still has on my senior letterman jacket. <laughs> Talk, Holy Spirit. It's the little things. It's the little things. It's the little things. It's the little things that we didn't think 
would have much consequence. It's the little things. It's the little things. It's the little things that we didn't expect to knock our marriage off track and lead us to divorce court. It's the little things. It's the little tone that you had, ma'am. It's the little tone that you had, sir. It's, it's the little things. It's the little things. It's the little things that, wasn't, that we did not expect to close the door to our gift. Because yes, your gift makes room for you, but your character makes residence. But I'm gifted, I'm anointed, but your character's off. I'd rather somebody who is not as gifted as you, but has high character, high integrity, high discipline, than somebody who is greatly gifted, but has no character. Thought God would do this. It's the little things we keep overlooking. It's that little text that we forgot to delete. Talk, Holy Spirit. It's that little screenshot that we didn't know that they would, that they would post online. It's the little things that we didn't know that would cause for our, for our character to be questionable. It's the little things that hinder your prayer life. Stop looking for the devil in something huge and massive. It's the little things. It's the little things that interrupt your generosity. It's the little things that have it to where you don't want to serve. It's the little things that cause for you to keep on complaining to where you stay stuck in a wilderness and don't experience your promised land. It's the little things. It's the little high that you got to get when you're irritated and obsessed with how the day went. It's the little weed that you got to smoke. It's the little language. It's the little things that God is trying to tell us, catch that. Perceive that because it's not little once it multiplies. Catch for us the foxes. Hear me, church family. Spiritual vandalism happens one ignored fox at a time. Spiritual vandalism happens one ignored fox at a time. What are you ignoring that God wants you to pay attention to? It could be something as small as as soon as you wake up, the first thing you grab is your phone versus falling on your face. It's just a few minutes. It's just a few minutes. That, that little prayer. See, you don't know what you block when you just prayed. But what did you block when you just posted? I know it's tough. This series is not me preaching hard. This series is me teaching for us to avoid traps so that, like planet, you can experience the results. But you can't experience the results if you keep falling in traps. I saw this passage with Jesus in Luke chapter 13, verse 31. A Pharisee rolled up on Jesus. He says, at that time, some Pharisees said to him, speaking of Jesus, get away from here. If you want to live, <laughs> like you're talking to God, bro. If you want to live, Herod Antipas wants to kill you. Jesus replied, go tell that fox. <laughs> it's Bible, y'all. It's like, whoa, whoa. So I started to dig. I said, who, who is Herod Antipas? Because you do know a Herod is a title, not a person. I, I just have to, okay, so you have to understand. Herod is like President Trump, President Barack, President Biden, but they change. Okay, so Herod is the title. And so I, I begin to look up Herod Antipas. Jesus, why he came to him so strong? Like, go tell that fox. And I begin to wonder, because as I researched, Herod Antipas killed Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so he was like, okay, I've been waiting for you at the dough, cuss. 
Go tell that fox. Now look what Jesus says. Go tell that fox, I will keep on casting out demons. I will keep on healing people today and tomorrow. And on the third day, I will accomplish my purpose. He says, listen, fox, you ain't stopping me. It's not this Jesus people present. Peace be unto you. No, Jesus was like, go tell that fox. Why did he call him a fox? Because fox kills. Fox have wolf in their blood. And shepherds don't like wolves. So when he says, go tell that fox, he's saying, go tell that person who's trying to scatter what I'm trying to do. Go tell that individual who's trying to steal what I'm trying to do. Go tell that individual who's trying to get in the way of me healing my children and me casting out devils and me raising the dead. You go tell him you ain't going to stop me. I can't be stopped. Doesn't say rebel, doesn't say snake. He calls him a fox. (laughs) So how, how do we avoid these traps that don't look like traps because they look like foxes. First thing I want you to remember, point number one, please write this down. This is what the enemy does. He puts traps in cub form. Okay? Whatever it is, he puts it in your life not fully matured. He puts it in our pathway in cub form. Like a little lion cub. Carl, I want them to see this. A little lion cub. This is the type of stuff the enemy does. He puts it when it's kind of small. Now, I still wouldn't mess with that. <laughs> you good, bro. I'm that dude. If I'm running and I see a dog, I just start walking a little bit. <laughs> start walking. Hey, he out here without a leash? Handle your dog. He puts it in cub form because he knows what they become is a beast. A fully matured lion. Look, I want to give you a Bible on this. James chapter 1, verse 13. It says, um, let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when the desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. The trap the enemy uses is by putting little things that you think is okay. And he's so patient that he will allow a little thing to be there since 2018, and he knows he's not going to allow it to attack you until 2023. The devil is more patient than us. He will allow something to happen when you are six, six years old, molested in six, when you're six, seven years old, to wait until you're 16 to where it's normal for you to engage in another lifestyle. I want to overexpose you to the spirit of perversion. I invested and deposited it when you were six, and I waited a whole decade until you got exposed to maybe I don't like men. Maybe I don't like women. This is both homosexual and heterosexual sin. It doesn't matter. In God's eyes from above, all sin is the same. It doesn't matter which way you go. It's the same. But what he will do is expose you to porn at six because he knows puberty is coming when you're 13. And that's my alarm clock. Let me go back and try to see if that cub is still there that I put there when they were five. 
just men in the room, I want us to be honest. How many men in the room were exposed to pornography before 13? Raise your hand. Look at this, y'all. Hands down. Women in the room. How many of us were, how many of you were exposed to pornography before 13? Raise your hand. Look. That's cubs before your, before your body even develops to the place where it can carry out what you saw. Y'all see that? So the trap starts off as the cub. So what do you have to do? Point number two, none of us are going to like this, but I'm explaining it, and I'm right here, right here with you. Point number two, know your lust patterns. Yes. Yes. Know your lust patterns. First John chapter 2, verse 16, it says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Know your lust pattern. you got to be honest with you. Don't try to be impressive to where you cause yourself to entertain temptation. Know your lust pattern. If you can't handle a certain atmosphere, know that about you. I remember reading and I was wondering how in the world was Jesus tempted in every way like we were until I recognized that every sin falls under that category. It's either the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, or the pride of life. Every other stuff is a detail just under one of those things. That's it. And so Jesus was tempted because I really would be, I'm that type of person. And the way, the way I teach like this is because I know I have people who will Google what I'm saying while I'm preaching it. <laughs> See, the danger about millennials and Gen Z is you can't sit up here and tell us stuff that sounds good because we'll research in a minute. That wasn't true. The danger, about an, uh, the danger of an illiterate church is preachers can get away with lying. <laughs> See, I used to wonder, how was Jesus tempted in every way like we were? They weren't pouring back then. They didn't have no hookah bar and clubs like that. How were they tempted? Until I came across this text. It's the category. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Which one has the greatest temptation for you? If you know that, then you could identify that's where the devil's going to send a fox. If you have brothers that know that. And you confide in that brother, hey, bro, you know, this is my battle. I'm not going to say, hey, let's go over here. I know that the female is going to be a struggle for you. I know that. He should have self-control. He should, but he don't have it yet. (laughs) Doesn't have it yet. But since I love him, I know not to deliberately trigger his lust pattern. Does this make sense? Know your lust pattern. Because that is most likely the area where the enemy is going to try to have a fox. Okay? Number three, the principle of first. The principle of first. If you seek Jesus first. I told us this whole analogy last year. When you go to restaurants and you eat the bread first, it is possible for you to eat so much bread and drink so much water that by the time your entree gets there, you're full. So when you have the principle of first operational in your life, you're more prone to see the fox because I'm already full from Jesus. This entree isn't as tempting. This makes sense? 
He is the living bread. He is my living water. The principle of first. When God promotes you, do you think about him first or you first? Your tax return, was it about you first or him first? Your promotion, was it about you first or him first? More followers, is it about him first or you first? I'm trying to give you all the cheat code. You want to have a blessed life and all that you do, make sure he is first. He's first. The morning first. The reason you keep falling asleep when you read the Bible is because you're trying to give him your leftover strength. Every time, keep on. Man, I, you give him your leftover. You didn't worked all day, been out in the sun fighting pollen, trying not to catch COVID, fighting off temptation, and then at the end of the day, all right, God, let me get it in with you real quick. Man, I keep falling asleep. You're giving him your leftover. Give him your first. Number four is critical. Perceive atmospheres that grieve your spirit. I have been in churches, y'all. I've been in churches. And I'm like, man, something just off. I'm, I'm not judging just something's off in my spirit. See, the Holy Spirit is a counselor, okay? And one of the counsels he gives you is tension when something is off. I'm waiting for God to tell you. feel this, this unsettling on the inside. It's not the tacos. It's not the hot sauce. It's something on the inside of you saying, this is not me. This is going to strengthen a lust pattern. It's just, it's grieving my spirit. You are tired every time you leave your mama's house. But you overlook that little thing because the fox name is family. But every time you leave, you're like their refrigerator. Stuff leaked out. Be aware. Stop, stop minimizing that because I'm just trying to be Christ-like. There were certain places Jesus didn't even go. And when Jesus got there, sometimes he said, all y'all get out. All y'all. This ain't my house. I know Jairus. But all y'all get out. You want a miracle? They got to go. Now, I'm not telling you to go to nobody's house and say, oh, y'all get out. <laughs> but I am saying, be aware of houses that tells your discernment, get out. Perceive the atmospheres that grieve your spirit. And last point, and we can get ready to go home. Identify who enriches your soil from who eats your fruit. Identify who enriches your soil versus who consumes the fruit. Foxes love vines because they produce things. Fox, anyone in your life that doesn't enrich your spiritual journey, partake. Where in the Bible does it say, well, why y'all do this if I couldn't go to church like that? I, why you keep on? You can keep is people in your life who are constantly causing for you to question the little things that are good that you're trying to produce. Foxes are friends. Friends, I pray with you. See, I'm that type of guy, you roll up, man, this is what I'm going through, just pray for me. All right, let's go. 
because I might forget. Let's do it right now. I don't care if it's in Walmart, at a gas station. I pray for people at gas stations. Pumping gas. I don't want to talk to nobody. I'm being transparent. I don't. Just walking up. They don't know me. I don't know them. Man, I'm just going through this, man. I'm out here, man. Just pray for me. Let's pray right now, bro. Every opportunity you have is an opportunity to represent the kingdom. Every opportunity. I don't care if you are at Walmart and you have them bringing your groceries because you didn't want to be in a line. You were always on call to be kingdom. 24-7, you're never off. And what the Holy Spirit put in my heart to share with us on this afternoon is a lot of us don't even see traps because it's the little things that we do daily that we view, it's no big deal. But it's a fox. They're cute. One more time, Carl, put it on the screen. Look how cute this fox is. I want you all to remember this. Right now my son loves fox and the hound. <laughs> and he preached to me. Cute. But it has wolf in his blood. And may we be people who stop blaming God for fruitless vines when we have been justifying to God friendly foxes. Father, in the name of Jesus, we're asking heighten our discernment. We don't want to be paranoid, but we do want to have some spiritual insight. Help us to avoid all traps that we don't see as a trap because it's the little thing that we do daily. Not inherently by itself evil, but it's not beneficial. Help us get to a place, oh Father, where we give you our first. Everything in our world constantly demands for us to give our whole self to it. Forgive us for giving you our leftover strength, but then praying for you to move heaven for us. The same way the little fox can spoil the vine, that small fox, mustard seed faith can move a mountain. Help us to remember that you desire for us to be your representatives in the earth and produce much fruit. We no longer want to overlook things that are stealing our joy. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody who agrees to that prayer, would you say amen?